The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is going on, everyone? This is Alexander K. Lee filling in for the wonderful Mike Heck, who has jury duty. We'll talk a little bit about that. I'll share my own jury duty story. And, uh, of course, talk about the Francis Ngannou announcement this morning. Uh, He had teased it over the weekend. Would love to hear your guys' thoughts about it. Uh, And if you didn't uh, hear about it, I will sort of give you a quick fill-in. But uh, let's give the space a little time to populate, and I'll be back with you in about... 30 seconds a minute be right back all right everybody let's get this show on the road we've already got a couple of people who want to chime in uh first i want to say a happy i hope everyone had a great mother's day weekend i'm a i'm a self-proclaimed proud mama's boy i love my mom esther lee if i didn't express it enough uh you are the best i love you very much and uh, shout out to all the moms out there doing it to all the i have some friends who recently became mothers super excited for them and also i always of course i want to give a shout out to um you know people who might not have had the the good fortune of growing up with a mom or a mother figure uh, it, it it happens it's very common so you know for everyone out there who has someone who took care of them you know who kind of filled that role show them some love and if, if you had to look after yourself or or you know what show yourself some love whatever whatever it is but of course, again, yeah, much love to all the moms out there and, uh, you know, everyone else, everyone else who uh, just had a good weekend celebrating in their own way. Uh, as I said a little bit earlier, and Mike has tweeted, he uh, is got called in for jury duty. I don't know if he's gotten selected. If he gets selected, you might be hearing more Lee of a morning. I don't know. Uh, we do want to talk about the Francis Ngannou news, so I'll, I'm going to have to keep the story short. But I had my own jury duty selection once, and at the time... Uh, I, I didn't want to get selected. It takes up your mornings. It takes up your work day. You do get paid, obviously. Uh, so I'm speaking, of course, from a Canada perspective. I don't know how you guys do in the U.S. I'm, I'm sure you guys get paid too. But uh, even given the compensation, I would rather just be working. I'd rather be doing my, my stuff for MMAfighting.com. So I kind of went looking pretty uh, disheveled. I mean, I look disheveled normally anyway. But I like, didn't shave. My hair looked pretty shaggy. I'm like, all right, I've, there's no way they'll pick me out of this pool. But they had us waiting so long, I and I started looking at some of the other people, and I'm like, my pride kind of started to swell up. And I'm kind of like, I kind of do want to be picked. 
I kind of started getting all these old feelings of being back in school and not getting picked for the team, you know? And I'm like, well, I kind of want to get in there. So I, I kind of tried to clean myself up, put a big smile on my face, look a little more professional. Uh, I was not selected. There was a, there was a, I don't want to say exactly what the, uh, the situation was, but yes, it was the, it was the prosecution that vetoed me from the selection. So they, they did not trust me to, uh, to go against the uh, alleged criminal that they were trying to put away, which really made me question my morals and my appearance and how I present myself. So it was a very sad day for me. And, and next time jury duty selection comes around, maybe I'll, I'll put in a better effort. But that's not why you guys are here. You're here to hear, talk about Francis Ngannou announcing early this morning, or I believe 5 a.m. ET, to the New York Times that he is now part of the PFL, not just planning to compete, uh, they are in a strategic partnership. He is uh, taking on a leadership role with the, let me read there, make sure I get the copyright here, the PFL Global Advisory Board, and he is the chairman of PFL Africa. He will also be allowed to box. He's, they, they say he is still planning to box sometime this year, and he will compete as part of the PFL's quote-unquote super fight division uh, in 2024. So it will be quite a long time. By the time he steps into the PFL Smart Cage, it will likely be two full years since we have seen Francis Ngannou compete. He hasn't fought since UFC 270, January 2022, had to sit out a whole year, uh, was officially a free agent four months ago, and now he is with the PFL. So PFL is making moves. France Ngan is making moves. Uh, there's a lot more details. I won't get into it all now. If you guys have questions, let's talk about it. Again, I'm sure you've seen the coverage in myfighting.com, New York Times, wherever it is you heard about it. Ariel will be talking to Francis later today, 1 p.m. ET. We'll get even more details. But for now, let's get to your thoughts. Tristan, I think I saw you first. So Tristan, go ahead and uh, hop in here. I'd love to hear what you have to say about the, the France Ngan deal. Hear me? I can. Hey, okay. Um, yeah, I want to talk about mostly uh, UFC. Uh, was it Vegas seventy three? Sure, sure, sure. So, um, I want to talk about actually the co-main event. It'll tie tie in also with the uh, main event. So the co-main event is um, Edmund Shabazian versus Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Uh, okay, I'm I'm pretty high on on Fluffy. Um, now, I want to preface this. I don't know if he's going to be, can be in the top 15. I don't know if he's going to be champion. But he's so fun to watch in the sense of, so if you looked at the fight against Marc-Andre Barrio, I, it was probably Fluffy's best performance where he did not let up. The guy was in his, fa- in his face the whole entire time. He was the one that was outpacing and out-cardioing um, Mark Andre Barrio. And Barrio is known for cardio. He's named a power bar for, the re- for a reason. So for him to do that, broke his rib in that fight, dumped him on his head, left a dent in the octagon, and he was just all over him. And, but the thing, that him, the thing about him was, with his grappling, he nixed the martial arts with damaging him as he's doing it. He's throwing, he threw, in the first round, there was a sequence where he threw three elbows, two body shots, level change, took him to the ground, started beating up more. By the third round, he was able to. By the third round, it was a triangle choke, and it was a wrap. After that, I was like, "My goodness!" I'm like, "Why is not many grapplers doing this? Where you soften up the body, and then it's going to be easier for you to get a submission." And this is, and this ties into Mackenzie Dern. This is a problem now. Mackenzie Dern has ta- talked about in her interview that, "Hey, 
I'm gonna I need to get back to my jiu-jitsu roots. I need to take my opponent down. I'm like, okay, that's all well and good, but you only have you got 15 minutes. You got you know 25 minutes. You got you don't have much time because those those minutes go quick. So as you're trying to take her down, damage your opponent. Jed Mishu went crazy because like, oh, you're not gonna do any strikes when you have him on the ground to get the submission early. And and that's my whole thing. A lot of the grapplers, and that I mean, I always will go towards grapplers. This is why I love Tatiana Suarez, Benoit Saint-Denis, Shavkat Rachmanov. These are grapplers, but they put damage on you. And that's the whole point. A lot of grapplers need to wake up. This is MMA. This is not Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's not wrestling. You've got to put damage to the opponents to make it easier to finish your opponents. So that's my whole thing. I'm really excited, especially for that Coleman event. And then we'll see what Mackenzie Dunn can do. And if she's learned from her mistakes, because if not, She's never gonna get. She's never gonna get to where everybody or the UFC is trying to push her to be uh, a contender as a title challenger. So, just your thoughts on what I said, uh, AK, and thanks for everything. Awesome, thank you, Tristan. Yeah, uh, yeah, Anthony Hernandez. Look, uh, him and Edmund Shabazian. Not what I would call an official co-main. You guys know I have a standard for a co-main. I don't feel like you just throw any any fight that's in the second to last spot. Is, is necessarily a co-main event. This, to me, just has one main event. Uh, this is really just a penultimate fight, which really sounds cooler than co-main. So, uh, but good good for Edmund and good for Anthony Hernandez for being in that spot. Definitely one of the reasons they put it in there. They expect to finish. As Tristan mentioned, Anthony Hernandez is not going to go in there and lay in prey. Uh, he is a guy who looks for a finish. The UFC loves guys like this. Yeah, I don't know what his ceiling is either. Middleweight is pretty, like, wide open, I feel. I don't know how far away he is from a title shot. Plus, we don't know how long is he going to stay there. So that opens up a top five spot. Um, and as long as you finish fights, it's, it's also very risky. He's been finished in his two losses in the UFC. Uh, but, again, you can have a long career just being a guy who gets performance bonuses, uh, you know, headlines or co-headlines fight night cards, the occasional pay-per-view appearance. He's only 29 years old, doesn't have a ton of mileage on him. It's He's, he's very exciting to watch. And you're right, you're right, uh, comparing that to Mackenzie Dern. On paper, this is a matchup that she should do really well in. Angela Hill, of course, a great fighter, good takedown defense. Uh, and Mackenzie Dern doesn't have the best takedowns. So, yeah, she is going to have to show something on the feet, I feel, to threaten Angela Hill to put her in positions where she's able to, to get in and clinch and trip her down and throw her down. Unless she's developed a blast double and just starts in just double legs. Uh, Angela Hill out of the gate and takes her down. If she's, if she's suddenly going all Jalton Almeida on people, that'd be fantastic. But it does seem unlikely. It does seem like she needs to round out her game. Yes, great. She's going back to her roots. I always say that. I don't want to – hashtag keep the martial arts apart. She's a thrilling grappler. But if you're trying to get where she's trying to get to, which is a title shot, which the UFC would love to do, they're Mackenzie Dern fans through and through. Um, since she's, she was a whole pro, high-profile signing, really since she entered MMA, it feels like everyone has said she should compete for a world title someday. She fixed the weight-cutting issues. And now she has to show that uh, that she's just more well-rounded. Because, listen, you can get to the top being one-dimensional. I've been saying Johnson Almeida is going to win the heavyweight title just taking people down and jujitsuing them. Um I think it's a little bit hard to do at straw weight. Heavyweight is, as we said, is just, you know, if you can finish, you can go a long way. I mean, you could you could one-punch knockout your way to a UFC title. Straw weight is a pretty deep competitive division where the best fighters at the top are all well-rounded. I mean, Rose Namajunas, um, uh, Zhang Wei Li, Carl, uh, Carlos Barza, obviously a little one-dimensional, but 
you know, uh, I would still say she's she's more well-rounded than people give her credit for, even though she's an intensely focused wrestler. Uh, and then Joanna Jacek, I think, was also a pretty well-rounded fighter. A striker, yes, but great takedown defense, great grappling defense. So Mackenzie Dern get there? I don't know. Glad she's getting this headlining spot. Um, it made last week's card weaker, but at least it'll, you know, this card needed something. So, um, but yeah, I do. I'm with Tristan though. I do like to see people be a little more offensive on the ground, but Hey, it's easier said than done when you're in there and someone's trying to punch your face off. You know, you might, you might tend to uh, position favor, uh, favor position over submission or damage in those situations. Uh, Michelle and Jonathan, I see you guys both. Michelle, I'm going to go to you first. Do I see a Jamaican and a Scottish flag in your, in your profile, sir? Am I, am I, am I correct? Hello, Michelle. Do, do I see a Jamaican flag and a Scottish flag? Or am I, am I misreading my yeah, flag? Yeah, this is my heritage. Oh, wow. No, you are. You're not actually, sorry. Um, yeah, it's my heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to talk about the Francis Ngannou um, PFL move. Mm-hmm. I was actually speaking to my dad about it yesterday because he's not really a big UFC fan, but he asked about UFC and stuff like that. And he asked about Francis, and I was saying, I don't know where he goes. I thought he would do more boxing. I thought that was the logical sense. But obviously today's news is signed with PFO. I'm a bit shocked. Um, I don't really know how stacked the heavy, heavyweight division is. And like, obviously I know he's doing boxing this year. I don't know who would fight, to be honest. But I just wanted to, your thoughts on like, where do you think he would fit in in terms of like fights and who would fight in that division? Thank you. Okay, thanks Michelle. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the big question. So I should have plugged at the beginning. Jed and I, Jed Mishu and I got up pretty early today. We did a reaction podcast. I think that's live on the network now. I think the post is going out shortly. But you guys can listen to that. But I, I have so many thoughts on it. I'm happy to keep talking about it. This is one of the downsides of the signing. Uh, and one of the, like, for people who want to criticize him ending up with the PFL right now, as opposed to, like, immediately, you know, having locked in a, a big boxing bout. You know, the, the ideal, let's be real, the ideal world was... He gets it, him and Tyson Fury. Him and Tyson Fury, you know, they had the face-off a while ago. It seemed like both men were interested, but of course, the world of boxing was pretty slowly. Francis, I think, was not a free agent at the time. We all kind of knew that he was just going to sit out until uh, from January to January and be free. But I don't think he was in any real position to negotiate in a hard, any hard, meaningful way. Um, so this isn't that. This is not the Tyson Fury fight. This is not, wow, is Francis going to make $50 million to, to for his pro boxing debut? I get it. it's not that. It sounds like he's getting good compensation, not just because because he's a fighter, uh, but also, like I said, he's he's taking executive roles with PFL Africa with their global uh, global brand, what, global advisory board. Excuse me. So there's really good money being made there. I don't think Francis regrets it. But if you want to knock the competition he's going to face in the PFL, at least based on the current roster, it's understandable. There's just not a lot of huge names here. Uh, Maurice Green just came over from the UFC. Jurgen DeCastro, another former UFC guy. Cesar Fajera, like a career uh, middleweight, is blown up and out of... Well, he's out of the season now. I shouldn't even mention him. A few of these guys, I mentioned uh, Bruno Capelozzo, also out of the season. Um, Ante Delicia, we kind of joke about that matchup a lot, but I mean, that could be the direction it goes in. More likely, the, U- the, the PFL will bring people in. The PFL will bring fighters in. Uh, who can they get? I mean, listen, this opens the door. I think showing that they can play ball with guys like him, with, with uh, Francis, is going to go a long way. Now, uh, now, obviously, your average heavyweight signing is not going to get all these concessions that Francis got. Um, you know, permission to box elsewhere. Um, 
the the you know this is executive roles uh the 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 pay-per-view revenue that he's supposed to be getting as part of the super fight division though though i will say uh the wonderful john s nash has been doing some reporting on this as well and some of the things he discovered uh is that his opponents will have a certain minimum salary this is something that francis said that he was fighting for was uh when chachi citradong of one championship said, well, one of the reasons he was listing all these reasons they didn't, uh, you know, kind of align with Francis in negotiations was he wanted this, he wanted this. And one of the things was saying like he wanted to have some control over his opponent's pay, which sounded like malicious, but it meant he was, his opponent would have a comparable pay to himself. So we don't know what that means exactly. Um, uh, John S. Nash is, is saying it's possibly as high as a million dollars guaranteed for his opponent. So if that's true, they're not going to have too much trouble luring people into the to PFL uh, opponents for for Francis, even if it's like a one off deal. That's like a Roy Nelson. If Roy Nelson's out there, I get it. I know not the sexiest matchup, but it's a well known name. It's a veteran body. This is what you want for Francis now. You just want to see him perform. I don't know how many fights he has left, but you want to see him perform. You want to draw in those casual eyeballs who recognize his name and again maybe recognize a Roy Nelson and Alistair Overeem, whatever other heavyweights are out there that might consider want to step into the smart cage with Francis, especially if it means a $1 million pay, payday, possibly more, given other, I don't know, incentives, how these things work out. Um, but I will say, the current roster, if you're just looking at the current PFL roster, it's not super appealing. I do think you will see other names brought in for his his first fight. I, I would be very surprised if it was like Jorgen DeCastro or, I, I don't know, Denis Goltsov, something like that, with respect to these guys, with respect to these guys. Um, they're... Listen, they're going for that $1 million right now. Good for them. If it gets them a fight with Francis, fantastic. Maybe that's they dangle that carrot. Whoever wins the tournament will also, you know, fight Francis in uh, early 2023. But that's a lot to promise. I think it's more likely they bring someone in from the outside. But thanks for the question, Michelle. Jonathan, let's bring you in. All right, Jonathan. We can talk UFC. We can talk influencer boxing. We can talk the Francis deal. You're muted right now, sir. Hello. Hey. Uh, hey, John. Sorry about that. I got you. Hey. What's going on? Uh, so I wanted to talk about the whole Francis situation and the signing. Um, and I want to go like a small mini rant before I ask you a question. And, uh, you know, get out of here. Uh, what is the deal with UFC fans? I, I'm, I'm so confused on their views and fighters and and. I it, it just makes zero sense to me. Like people, when Francis left the UFC, he left in a good position, and all UFC fans can just talk about is, oh, he found the bag. Oh, he's overrated. I, I just don't understand why UFC fans just cape for corporations that beast down the fighters. That for you know, like they they just beat down a dude that's literally trying to fight for fighters' rights. Just just literally trying to fight for equality and 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 you know equal pay. Um, I'm just confused on why UFC fans are like this, you know, and because they even fumbled the back with with um, with the glory champion. Uh, it, it's, it's just I don't know, but uh, yeah. But my question to you is um, is uh, what is your whole take on? the fans and and the UFC just well uh, the fans that are siding with the corporations in the UFC uh, yeah that's all I got 
Hey, great. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, that's a, well, that's a pretty broad question, but certainly relevant, certainly relevant in the, the uh, Francis Ngannou discussion. So thank you for letting, sending that in. Uh, let me say first, uh, as the Prince of Positivity, I, I firmly believe the majority of like MMA fans, combat sports fans are pretty like nice, smart people just going about their day and just enjoying the product. And they don't get as much into the nitty gritty as, you know, those of us do in the media and hardcore fans like yourself and others. Um, and, and so when you see a lot of the negativity out there, and again, this isn't just, this is with almost any topic. It's, 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 it's the vo people being vocal that they're, they're vocal to complain. We're not necessarily as vocal when we're being positive, when we're complimenting something, we're saying that we like someone. Think, think, think about how you interact with your friends, right? You're, you and your friends are more likely to sort of uh, bust each other's chops, right? That's good. Then, then you are to say, Hey man, you smell really good today. That's a weird compliment, but just as an example, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're more comfortable, I think, as a society sort of, um, being being sort of not not always negative but you know leading leading with leading with an insult leading with a jab and then when you get to discussions like this talking about uh, you know debates discussions things like that uh so who's in there i see cv i see you i'll bring you in next people want to see people confuse uh cynicism with intelligence and I'm sort of stealing from Conan O'Brien here, but cynicism is like the most useless quality you can have as a human being. Do not mistake cynicism for being intelligent, for being cautious, for being educated. Um, there's no benefit to it, especially when discussing a topic like Francis Ngannou and people were so quick, even before, like six months after, six months after the Zacito Gan fight, before he was even a free agent, there was just people like, oh, well, he'll come crawling back to the UFC. He'll come, like he hasn't fought yet he'll come crawling back. What other offers could there be out there? Um, there's people upset with him because he's not fighting. He's not giving you what you want from Francis Ngannou, right? If you were a fan of Francis Ngannou, turned on him. You were originally a fan because you like to see him punch people in the face. Maybe you liked his personality too, but for the most part, you like seeing this huge guy knock people's heads off and then he, he, he willingly takes it. He, he's part of taking that away from you. He is saying, I am not fighting again. I'm sitting on my contract. It creates resentment. It creates resentment. We see it with other athletes too. When an, when an athlete in a sport gets injured, gets injured, they miss three weeks, uh, or they miss prolonged periods of time. People turn on that athlete. They say, "What's wrong with this guy? Why can't this guy get healthy? Why can't he get in there?" Someone signs the uh, someone leaves your team in free agency. Well, I hate this guy now. You know, this guy played for my team for seven, spilled their blood for my team seven or eight years, but they left. I hate them now. So part of it is is not getting what we want from Francis Ngannou. And then, yes, there is the general siding with the UFC. There is the, well, I love the UFC. The UFC gives me nonstop entertainment, 52 weeks a year, 40 whatever cards a year. Um, how can I complain about the UFC? They must be in the right. They must be doing something right. They're the industry leader. Their product has helped to you know, advance MMA, to push MMA into the mainstream. Uh, how can I complain? What a fool Francis Ngannou is for leaving. And, th and that is what he's up against, right? He's not just up against a corporation. He's up against a brand. And he's up against the court of public opinion, which is heavily influenced by that brand. So I give him and his team so much credit for, I think, how they've handled this. L just trickling out information here and there, making sure their voice is heard, not overreacting when you know some promoters kind of almost say call them out but kind of give their sort of lopsided side of the story 
it's it, it's it's really rough. It's really rough. And again, like I said, I'm I don't think this is the majority of fans. I really don't. I be, I would guess the majority of fans are pretty happy for Francis. Most of them were were not on social media the last whatever six months saying like where's Francis? Where's Francis? Francis dropped the bag. Francis screwed up. He hasn't signed with anyone. I think your average person just goes about their day and is like, oh, no Francis update today. Okay, moving on. Moving on with my life. Let's see. Let's. I I can't wait to see what happens with Francis. I'll wait until tomorrow. And if there's no update tomorrow. I'll wait until the day after that. So, so there, I, I still consider it a vocal minority uh, of fans of it who are so negative, who say everybody sucks, every fighter sucks, if fighter loses, they suck. Um, most people, I, I, I really believe, don't feel that way. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't talk to enough people in person about MMA. I don't know. I just see the social media conversation, and I try to take it with a grain of salt. So, CV, let's bring you in, please. Let's get uh, CV in here. CV, what are we talking about? Francis, UFC, influencer boxing. What do you got for me? Yo, what's up, AK? What's up? Hope you're having a Lee of a morning. Oh, okay. um, I do agree with you uh, with your earlier statement about jury duty. I uh, <laughs> had it before. It sucks. It really sucks. I know it's um it's a civil duty, but I think it's a waste of time. What was your What was your case? Do you remember? Are you allowed to talk about it? Um, no, I actually didn't get picked for the case, uh-huh. but um, I just remember sitting um like sitting down the whole day. It's a big waste of time, and hopefully for. Heck of, heck of a morning state, uh, Mike doesn't get selected. But, um, yeah, I just want to comment on Ian Gary from, oh, yeah. from last week. Very impressive. Um, I, I just listened to Otno earlier, and I do like your Jeff Neal pick. I like Mike's pick for um, against Kevin Holland. Um, I kind of want to see him tested against a grappler, like maybe Kessa, but who knows. But, like, um, um, yeah, and I kind of want to see him, like, I think it's too early to pair him up with, Jack Della Maddalena, but I think that'd be an amazing fight down the line. Uh, that's it for me, man. Thanks. Thanks, CB. Oh, Jack Della Maddalena matchup. Yeah, you'd like to if you're the UFC, you 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 dream of that being for a world title someday. You know, a world title fight in Australia, a world title fight over somewhere in Europe. I mean, that's instant money. But uh, yeah, we were saying on on to the next one. I think also on the uh, UFC on ABC for UFC Charlotte, say post fight show. And, and I think uh, an Ariel was asking on the MA Hour, is it crazy to say that Ian Machado Gary was like the second biggest story of, um, Tok, I see, I'll bring in a second, was the second biggest story of UFC Charlotte? I, I think it's crazy to say he wasn't number one. I, I, I love Jelton Almeida. I'm driving the Jelton Almeida train. His stock didn't rise as much as Ian Machado Gary did. Um, uh, Machado Gary, like... Uh, there's just a lot of questions. He's he's benefited and also been hurt by the Conor McGregor comparisons, right? Because for one thing, they have very little in common other than they're both from Ireland. Uh, they both fight in the 170 to 155 range if you want to make it even more broad. And they're both like super confident guys uh, uh, with with good good stand-up. When, when the comparisons to McGregor come along, Machado Gary embraces them, so he's not like shying away from it. But other than that, there's not that much in common. But because of uh, there's, you know, people want to make that comparison then there's then i almost feel like he's being discounted i almost feel like there's a little bit of like oh he's people think he's a hype machine when like he had some pretty he did some pretty substantial work in cage warriors as did connor as did connor and i think he's looked good in all his ufc appearances um the Daniel rodriguez fight was a legitimate test great matchmaking i had actually picked Daniel rodriguez to win i just kind of was going with experience and and uh, i thought a little more toughness but Man, I mean, Dal Rodriguez put him away. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ian Machado Gary put him away. 
under three minutes. Head kick, signature move. It, it couldn't have gone better. I had a great promo. I didn't mind the call out. I wish he knew. It sounded weird, like he didn't know that Neil Magny was booked, though he did clarify on the MMA Hour that like he did know, but he still wants to fight Neil Magny. He just has a bigger name than like Magny's upcoming opponent, Phil Rose. So it wasn't like a terrible call out. I was kind of down with it. Um, but yeah, he was. He is a good example of. It's going to sound bad. Of like a corporate MMA star, and I say that because he's a guy who's being very smart about his career. He is the product of someone who has um, come up watching this modern era of MMA. He's very open about his team. Ariel asked him, who handles your social media? And he's like, well, my, my, my wife, Layla, she's a wonderful manager. And his team, he has another guy um, who helps him with the social media. And that's great. You should have someone helping you with your social media. Like, that's not, I hope no one took that as like, oh, what a phony. Like, he's not running his own. No, why? He's a fighter. His job, he's a great fighter. Seems like a charismatic guy. Social media might not be his thing. Let someone else handle it. You're a professional athlete now. This is how it should be done. They're talking about branding him, sort of making purple his color, like even a little thing like that. I wish, I wish, like, that the UFC wasn't so strict on their, you know, their gear and he could wear purple shorts because we always bring up Anderson Silva, the yellow shorts. I mean, even if you, you know, even if you didn't know who Anderson Silva was, if you saw him fight a couple of times beyond just his performances, you remember those yellow shorts. You remember those yellow shorts. They're so important, so distinct. So for him to even something as little as saying, well, I'm purple. Purple, when you see purple, I want you to think Ian Machado Gary. That's huge. That's huge. I, I, is it going to stick? I don't know. I don't know. A lot of things. Listen, you got you got to try things in MMA. And so far, all, a lot of the things he's tried have hit. I'm big on the Ian Machado Gary uh, train for sure. I think his ceiling is, I mean, I'd be surprised. if he's He's trending towards a world title fight someday. I'm sure there could be a loss in between, but this is the kind of guy I feel like could have a nice, like, you know, eight and one start to his UC career and just find himself on the title shot. He wants to go, you know, headline a card in Dublin. Hopefully they can make that happen. If it does, then man, this guy's plan is just like cruising. So yeah, big fan. I think he was honestly the breakout star of UFC Charlotte. Toke, Toke, let's bring you in here. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down, and new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bob Lent, I see you as well. Tuck, what's going on? And like, uh, I, I thought it was a fun weekend of fights. I just want to quickly have you seen everything everywhere all at once? Of course, multiple times. 
Cool, cool. So I wanna, I wanna say, who clicked their heels, yelled "I'm a bunny," and then clicked their headset? Because this seems like we've landed in a dimension, or sorry, a multiverse, whatever, where it is possible in the future. And I know this is far fetched to get a matchup between Matt Brown and Conor McGregor. I know this is weird. I know this is odd. Can you? This seems like the universe. Universe with uh, uh, sausages for fingers. But because of the comeback that Matt Brown did on Twitter with uh, I'll fight you for it, like the KO record, I kind of actually see the path there. But do you see how, uh, like, is, it, is this a, if Connor loses to uh, Chandler whenever that happens, is that that kind of a thing? Uh, I would like you to kind of, Guide me through the universe if you can. And one last thing. Um, I listened to a podcast where they called Mandy, Mandy Bohm, Mandy Bum. And I'm kind of annoyed by that because <laughs> she, she, she literally did the right thing here and actually just, hey, I got need in the head and I'm dizzy. Like, I'm not going to fight through this. And people are still mad at her. And that just makes me annoyed. So just... I don't know if you have any commentary on Mandy Bohm, but those two things are all I have. Thank you. Thanks, Tove. Sure. Uh, yeah, I can talk about We talked about that for like friggin' an hour on the post by show, and, uh, you know, that's a bit much for me, but I'm more refreshed now. I can certainly talk about it. Uh, let's talk about Matt Brown and Connor first. Yeah, listen, it's possible. Maybe this is like, like you said, he loses to Michael Chandler, and Matt Brown's kind of like a Donald Cerrone kind of, um, you know, bounce back fight. I think Brown, Matt Brown maybe has a little more in the tank than Donald Cerrone uh, did when he fought Connor, but there's some similarities there. Size, I think, will be an issue. Matt Brown's like a legitimate welterweight. He's not like a massive guy, but he is a legitimate welterweight, uh, so size would be an issue, but it's certainly possible. Listen, I've been so wrong about everything in Connor McGregor's career. Um, before, long before the Nate Diaz fight manifested, uh, you know, Nate Diaz called him out, uh, you've taken everything I work for, MFR. I remember there was an article, I think it was Vice.com, I believe it was a Vice article, or, or Fightland, I think Fightland, um, I was a part of Vice. And it would say something like, Nate Diaz is the perfect opponent for Connor. And this was after, I want to say, let me do it, let me give let me refresh myself on Connor here. This would have been after, which fight was it? It, it was, I mean, I, I just remember, someone tried to speak this fight into existence, and there was a lot of mockery and I think I was part of it. I think I was like, why would he fight Nate Diaz? And sure enough, we get two Nate Diaz fights. Nate Diaz rockets into superstardom off of that feud. And we're living in the universe we're living in now. So it's not impossible at all. The Matt Brown fight happens. The we're fighting for the knockout record is a little bit weird. I don't know if my math like checks out there. Uh, it's a bit strange, but no, I, I don't think it's crazy at all. I, do I think it's unlikely? Yeah. I mean, if I, if I were betting, if I were betting, I, I, if it was, it's a strict yes or no, just getting off the fence, I say no. Uh, I don't think that happens before both men retire. But if you're Matt Brown, boy, how can you not be eyeing that as your, as, you know, your last fight or one of your last fights, right? Win or lose, you're just seeing dollar signs in, uh, in Conor McGregor. And yes, after the Chandler fight, if, if McGregor loses, man, I, I don't know. For me, I'd say he like, disappears for another year. And if that happens, then I think, I, I don't know if Matt Brown waits for that. He probably wants to retire sometime soon, you know, while he still has his, his faculties about him. Uh, but it's out there now. 
this is how combat sports works. It's out there, man. People say things, and at times it seems ridiculous, and then before you know it, it's a reality, and they're in a case swinging at each other. Uh, Mandy Boehm, I, I, yeah, this, she did nothing wrong. I hate when people say fighters faked it after getting fouled. I know. I'm sure it happens sometimes. I, I've said Aljo's the biggest case. People say he faked it, and I'm like, I've watched that knee 50 friggin' times. He was definitely super hurt by that knee. Uh, talking about Aljamain Sterling. Definitely super hurt by that knee. If you want to say he he didn't want to continue after and that like he wanted out because he was losing the fight, I mean, maybe. I would also say that he probably shouldn't have continued after taking that because I think his bell was rung and there's just no reason for him to, to proceed. Same with same with Mandy Boehm. People saying she should have fought. Why? Why? She didn't commit the foul. People saying the knee, the knee maybe she's like, what was Yan Shana was throwing the knee to the shoulder or she thought that Mandy Boehm wasn't grounded. You, that's your responsibility. That's... That's that's uh, that's um, uh, excuse me, Jian Kim. That's Jian Kim's uh, responsibility. Accident, listen, intentional uh, intentional intentionality. Excuse me, in a fight is so difficult to determine. But you have to, and, and Jed was harping on this, and he's right. You have to, in, in a situation where it's unclear, you still have to err in favor of the person who was fouled, even if it, that might not be fair. If it wasn't a quote unquote accidental strike. You have to, you cannot punish the person who was fouled. You just can't. That is the one outcome, unless there's somehow, you know, you go to the replay, they're blatantly faking, the knee didn't come close. <laughs> I remember uh, uh, Josh Koscheck faked one of those once. I can't believe he got away with it. But that's a rare situation. Most situations, you have to protect the person who was fouled. Mandy Boehm had no reason to continue. I'm, I frankly would have disqualified Gian Kim. So I think even though the scores were screwed up, I think Mandy Boehm won two, like the first round on two judges' cards, which seems a bit odd. The, somehow justice was served. She got out, with, walked out with a W. But yeah, I, I think making insulting Mandy Boehm after that verdict is just completely out of pocket. So I, I'm not into that at all. Uh, four corner sports. Let's bring you in. Four corner sports. What is going on? Hey AK. So I just chimed in. Um, I saw the big uh, Francis Ngannou. I'm pretty sure you guys spoke about it. Mm-hmm. But. Um, do you know any details as for you know, like how many years, how many, you know, how many fights? Um, if not, I'm pretty sure that's going to be discussed on the MMA hour. Yeah. But um, I did want to, I did want to talk about Ian um, Machado Gary. I know I told Mike that I felt like that was a big step up, and man, was I wrong. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what's it called? I felt like what's it called? Danny Rodriguez was in a you know, give him like a good litmus test, but he wasn't able to even do that because um, Ian Machado Gary just exceeded expectations. And I mean, he called a shot. He called a shot. Um, he said he was going to hit him with, with a high um, leg kick um, and he was able to get that done. So I just feel that me, he should have called out Kevin Holland. I know I put for my aunt no pick um, Neil Magny, but. If it's not Kevin Holland and and if it's not Neil Magny, who would you want to see him fight um, inside the the top ten? Um, and I, I did want to ask you about what's it called Jailson Almeida. Do you believe that he may have some limitations just because of the fact that he finishes his fights so quickly? I think um, what is it like nine of his fights they don't get out of the first round. So that's all I wanted to say. Right, okay. Thanks. Thanks for Four Corner Sports. Great questions. Thank you. Uh, Bob, I do see you. Sorry, I didn't mean to skip over you there. 
let me talk first about, yeah, a little more about you, Machado Gary. And I'll just say, I'm with Mike. I, I, I liked the Kevin Holland matchup because just in terms of name value, he is higher than a lot of people in the official. I'll go to, I'll go to the official rankings. You know, not that these matter. You guys should be looking at the MMA fighting global rankings. But let's look at the official UFC.com rankings. And we have, let's see, the fringe of the top 15 here. Uh, well, Ian Machado Gary today. This is just updated today. Now in at number th- <laughs> in at number thirteen. I'm laughing because he got he got a number fifteen tattoo. I don't know if you guys saw that but to celebrate that he beat uh, Daniel Rodriguez and 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 I think most of us read it as like, oh, he thinks he'll be in the number fifteen spot. And then Ariel asks, "What if you're number 14? And then thankfully Machado Guerrero is repaired. He's like, oh, no, no. He's like, the 15 represents breaking into the top 15. Into the top 15. This is a milestone moment. Uh, I don't think he meant specifically he had to land in the 15 spot because he is now number 13. He is ahead of Jack Della Maddalena and uh, Michelle Pereira. So uh, I, I, the, the tattoo still stands. Machado Guerrero, I'm with you. It's It would have been maybe you should have waited. Maybe you should have waited. Could have gotten yourself a 13, but uh, the 15 is still good. And hey, listen, he's higher ranked than he thought it would be. That can't be a bad thing. Uh, but yeah, listen, I, I'm saying Kevin Holland has more name value than a, uh, I, I would say more name value than a Sean Brady. I think Kevin Holland has more casual interest than a Sean Brady. Uh, well, who else is in there? Even Shavkat. Shavkat, uh, among the hardcores, we know he's super deadly. He's not as well known as Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland has a little more mainstream cachet. Is obviously has a little more of a reputation as like an action fighter. Not that Shavkat is boring at all, but like stand up fighting. So I, I, understand, I understand why Mike pushed for Kevin Holland. I said Jeff Neal. Uh, Jeff Neal is in the UFC's top 10 right now, number eight. So that, to me, is, is the top 10 guy. He's not coming off a win. He's not coming off a win. He got, he got uh, choked, nearly choked to hell by uh, Shavkat. But that's fine. I don't think Ian Machado Gary needs to necessarily be saying, well, I won. I should only target guys who won fights. He should be going after anyone that's above him in the rankings. Uh, Jeff Neal did lose to Neil Magny. He is the lesser of the two Neals, I understand. But I don't think he should wait for the Magni Rowe winner. That's like the end of June. Then who knows when Magni will fight again. He's pretty active. What if Magni loses? I think it loses some of its luster. So for me, I went with Jeff Neal. Uh, Justin Almeida, yes. Uh, very serious uh, limitations. Um, I said going to the Rosenstrike fight, man, wouldn't it be cool if this fight went you know, past the third round? We No one thought it would. How could it? And we were all right. Wouldn't it be cool if his, like, you know, striking defense was... T- I don't need to see him knocking people out, but I need to see striking defense. Because Jairzinho, you know, is a, is a one-hitter quitter, right? I'm like, man, if he can survive a few exchanges with this guy, I'll be really impressed. Didn't really get to see that. Almeida's offense is so potent that, you know, even if Rosenstruck, you know, blocks one takedown, you knew another attempt was coming. Eventually, he was going to get him down. Eventually, he's just going to slice his guard up and choke him out. So, yes... Uh, if you're asking me today, like I've been telling everyone, I think Jalton could beat like John Jones. I think he has a po- it's possible, but I'm a bet. If I'm a betting man, I don't know if he can take John Jones down. I don't know if he can last on the feet with John Jones. John Jones, we know he's a great wrestler. We just saw him dominate Cito Gone with his wrestling. He, I still think he's a great striker and an outstanding defensive striker. So there's nothing I think Almeida could do to him on the feet, like literally nothing. And if Jones was disinterested and just dragged it to like a five round, you know, one of those five round decision wins that he was having uh, near the end of his light heavyweight run, I don't see Almeida winning that either. So I'm huge on Almeida. I, I just, yeah, I, I wish we'd had a, lo- a few more questions answered uh, at UFC Charlotte because I can tell you it affected his ranking. I can tell you he didn't go as high up as he could have gone uh, on some of our panelists' um, 
ballots. He, he's, he's behind Curtis Blaze in a lot of them. I put him over Curtis Blaze just because, in my mind, I made it the top five heavyweight. So he had to bump someone out, and it's Blaze that got bumped. But you put him in there with the Curtis Blades, he's going to have some problems. So he's going to take Curtis Blaze down at will? No, maybe. Maybe trip him down eventually, but just take him down with ease? Hell no. Curtis Blaze is amazing taking down defense and probably is a better striker than Almeida. Didn't look great against Pavlovich, but that's not a guy you should have struck with. But Almeida? It's probably a better striker than him. So I love, again, last time I'll say it, love Almeida. I think he's potentially the best heavyweight in the world. There are so many question marks. So many question marks. Bob Lent, let me bring you in. You've waited long enough. You've waited long enough. And then I see you guys also waiting in the queue. Of course, I'll bring you guys in. Bob Lent, we are connecting. Come on, let's get Bob in here. We're having some connection issues. Could be on my end. I don't know. Could be on Bob's end. Bob, I might have to postpone your call. I'll give you 10 more seconds. Otherwise, get back in the queue, please, and we will have you. Otherwise, sorry, Bob, we'll bring you back. Please get back in the queue. We got to bring in. We got to bring in New York Rick, Eric Jackman. What is going on, New York Rick? You're currently muted, sir. There he is. Hey, Alex, how are you? Hello, sir. Um, let me just say, let me start, um, as a frequent cynic, uh, I must commend your explanation of its futility earlier. You're not a cynic. Stop it. That was quite, uh, that was quite cutting. Uh, <laughs> I had to look myself in the mirror a little no. bit after you did it, uh, but extremely accurate. Um, I'm going to ask you to plant a flag, right? I'm, I'm going to give you a tough assignment. Um, but I think you're up to the task Fran- based on Francis Ngannou and what we know um, about the structure of this deal, bloody elbow, John Nash kind of reporting like some of the ancillary terms, like not just the money, but the fact that he's getting like high seven figures, split of event profits, non-exclusive um, rights to box, uh, no champions clause, minimum salary for his opponents. Also, it, it was in the press release that he's gotten strategic partnership, executive um, leadership role, all the things that that are um in Francis Ngannou's deal with the PFL and that he fought for and, and was asking the UFC for and was not granted. With all of those things said and, and understood, is this signing going to have an impact on MMA free agency forever? And by that, I mean, if you are now a big name fighter and coming up on free agency, if you're in the Conor McGregor, John Jones and other uh, fighters of, the, of that ilk, um, are you going to are we are we going to see fighters leverage um, their power and try to acquire things like this? Um, is it going to be specific to Francis? Is it going to be specific to PFL? How do you see this all playing out um, moving forward? And and what will Francis Ngannou's impact on MMA free agency be following this deal? Jeez, you got to bring the tough near Crick. Got to bring the tough. You don't. You couldn't just ask me who's going to win behind. behind, behind between uh, Mahashate and Vasislav Borshev? All right, I got to I gotta do some thinking here. Thanks, New York Rick. Thank you for the call, as always. Uh, Abzwalia, Terrence, I see you guys. Bob, I see you again. Bob, I'll, I'll try and get you in first. Uh, boy, yeah, listen, I talked about this with uh, Jed again this morning. He's, I kind of didn't chime in myself. I kind of just threw the question to him and let, let him cook. I didn't, I'm, I'm optimistic. But yeah, listen, how can this not, how can this not have an effect on how 
other, let's say specifically UFC stars, this is what we're talking about here. How can this not have an effect on how other UFC stars uh, consider free agency and what they can get in it? Because if you're, again, if you're Conor McGregor, you've always wanted some sort of, imagine if you can get equity in the UFC. That's never going to happen. But if you're Conor McGregor, you're the, you're the kind of person, you don't take no for an answer. So suddenly you see Francis Ngannou, a big star, but someone who is, you know, by almost any metric, one-tenth, probably even more, probably not exaggerating enough, like one-tenth the star that you are as far as mainstream cachet and box office draw. And they're able to, uh, uh, Francis is able to convince a promotion to, to make him, uh, to, to make him the head of PFL Africa to, uh, to again, uh, make him part of their, their global advisory board to, they do this whole, I, I was, I was saying to Jed today, there's a video out there now guys on, on PFL May on their Twitter. I, I wonder if they do it on YouTube as well. Sort of a, that's a 90 second teaser to commemorate Francis's signing. When's the last time UFC did that for anyone? Like signed the name and, and just did like a huge promo for them. It's, I get it. It's apples and oranges. UFC doesn't have to do that. It's rare that they that they sign anyone that's like you know bigger than the organization. And I'm not saying France is bigger than the PFL, but there probably is a section of uh, sports fans that know France Ngannou and don't know what the PFL is. That might change today. So when you see him get all these things, it has to open up your imagination. And if you're a guy like McGregor, has never been short of uh, imagination, at least when it comes to ways to build his brand and make money. So I, I am fascinated to see going forward, again, we talked about McGregor a bit earlier, what happens with him after the Ultimate Fighter, after he's sort of done his, uh, I almost feel like he, like he did a duty to the UFC by doing the Ultimate Fighter, by agreeing to the Michael Chandler fight, you know, for a guy who, again, theoretically should have an infinite amount of options in the combat sports and entertainment world. He's still under UFC contract. So after the Chandler fight, it, it is going to be fascinating to see how he handles uh, his relationship with the promotion. I w- I'm waiting to see how he reacts. I don't think he has tweeted about the uh, France deal. He might not. He might not. I do think he will, but he might not. Maybe maybe he'll just say, it's none of my business. But I don't see how a guy of, of his um, influence and fame cannot comment on the situation. When we talk about low, uh, other stars, you know, uh, John Jones, again, put upper tier. I'm trying to think of like a, the second tier of stars. Let's say uh, in Israel, Adesanya. And saying Israel Disney decides uh, ends up a free agent, um, is he going to ask for the same sorts of things? I want to say yes. I want to say yes, um, but it, you know, not not everyone has the same goals as Francis, right? Francis' goals have been very clear for a long time, even before he was a free agent. He was always talking. He was talking about boxing, right? Not everyone has his personality, his disposition, his patience. Uh, the last factor being a big one, right? You got to be willing to take your licks. You got to you gotta have a really, really, really thick skin. And some guys don't have that. I don't know if Anderson Adesanya would have that. As, um, as self-sure as he always seems at times, I do think he's also very reactionary. So I wonder, would he be able to sit out 16 months to wait for the right deal? I don't know. I don't know. So again, uh, sorry, just to wrap it up and kind of bring a full circle, I'm very optimistic this will have an effect on future agents yes am i going to, bold enough to say this has changed the landscape of mma free agency forever am i bold enough to say that i i can't quite, quite go that far i've seen too many <laughs> too many sort of fighters butt heads with the ufc and then the business just sort of returned to status quo other than the ufc somehow finding more ways to make money and sort of get the better of fighters but i'm i'm optimistic this won't be the last time we see a big ufc star leave 
and uh, and find a promotion that's willing to make these kind of concessions, even if it doesn't become commonplace. Bob, can we Bob, can we get you in here, Bob? Bob, can we get you in here, please? I don't want to give up on this. Oh, I see you're in there. You're just on mute. Here we go. Hey, sorry about that earlier. No, what's going on? Not much. Um, so, yeah, I think the signing overall sounds great. Uh, the only thing that kind of throws me off is that they said he's not fighting this year mm-hmm. and there's no opponent. Um, so when I, like, compare it to the Nate Diaz um, fight announcement, that sounds a little bit bigger when it absolutely shouldn't, if that makes any sense. Um but, I, I mean, I get all the stuff he gets on the back end, which sounds terrific. My only question is, like, does the PFL go out of business because of that? Because they really sound like they're giving him a lot. Uh, thanks, Bob. Good question. Uh, and, and anything else? Uh, no, that, that pretty much covers it because uh, New York Rick jumped in and, you know, <laughs> covered a lot of the stuff I was going to yeah. ask. Listen, he does. He asked the hard questions. All right. Thanks, Bob. Uh, yeah, the first <laughs> is the PFL going to go out of business? Listen, I, I don't know the ins and outs of their, uh, you know, do- dollars and cents. Their model seemed unsustainable from the beginning. If you'll remember when PFL first started, uh, it, they were on NBC Sports, which is fine. Not the same as being on NBC, but they were on some sort of NBC-related network. But we were like, okay, how many people are watching this? And then they're paying out seven $1 million. I think the first was seven tournaments. Seven one billion dollar one million dollar prizes, in addition, of course, to paying the fighters whatever they pay them per fight, plus operating costs, which is really the majority of it. And then again, I remember the viewership of the initial PFL events wasn't like super high, so I think they're. Def- I want to say, and if I'm wrong on this, I'm wrong. They're still sort of running on you know investors. Uh, uh, money from investors and things like that, as opposed to like making money hand over fist via ad revenue. Uh, also, uh, obviously, being on ESPN is huge for them too. So I don't, I don't know how strong the viewership is, but they seem to have uh, be smart about how they're handling their business, um, as far as controlling revenue streams, not letting their expenses get out of hand. I mean, the smart cage, Lord knows, must cost you know five hundred million dollars in maintenance fees every year, but it's worth it. That thing pays for itself. So I don't, I don't think they're going to go out of business. Um, I don't think this is, it's. When when you're um, we're we're past the days of affliction. Let me put it that way. We're out of the wild west of MMA, um, which is not to say that you you know any any promotion that has some sort of you know national television presence uh, or global presence is bulletproof. Uh, it only takes one or two bad decisions really for things to go haywire. Um, but I don't think this kind of signing is going to bankrupt them. And again, I don't think it's a traditional signing in the way we think. Again, he's not getting this lump. They're not giving Francis this lump sum of like, here's $25 million to sign with us. You know, there's, he has to have this, he has this relationship with them. Like they said, it's a partnership. And hopefully as he makes more money, that's supposed to mean the business is making more money. Again, we will find out down the road, I'm sure. So uh, no, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think they're going to go out of business. But um, yeah, as far as who he's going to fight, uh, yeah, listen, they have to bring someone in. I, I've said it earlier, they have to bring someone in. I don't think someone that's on the current roster makes a lot of sense. So uh, if there's another part of the question, I apologize if I missed it. I do want to get to more callers here. Terrence, I know you've been waiting. Terrence, come on down. Hey, AK, how are you doing today? What's going on, Terrence? Nothing much, nothing much. Um, so I had a question in regards to <clears throat> Carlos Arborg and his amazing win this past weekend. 
Um, I think a fight with him and Jimmy Crew would be amazing for Australia. I also feel that a lot of the fighters that are from Australia or New Zealand are fighting early uh, enough to they can fill up that card and make a whole bunch of stars by um, putting them in a position to look like superstars in their hometown or next to their home. Um, and then I want to hear you like your thoughts on that and where they're going to be going in regards to Australia. And then as well, another regional card is China. So with China coming up, possibly, what do you think they're going to do with that? I know Wally is most likely going to be defending her title. Uh, what current stars, or not stars, but athletes do you think would benefit from going there, um, if any at all? And then the last one that I have for you is non-MMA. So I was thinking about, I was just in Denver like two weeks ago, um, and my lungs were on fire from just walking around. And I remember talking to, not talking to, excuse me, I was um, listening to Demetrius Johnson. It's like, yeah, I'm in shape. And it took me like two weeks to get used to it. So this goes back to two of our um, favorite topics of this, well, one of our favorite topics of discussion, which is basketball. So Lakers will be going and placing their um, <clears throat> their championship status online against Denver. So with that being said, do you think it's fair or as an advantage for other athletes? Like, for example, you have every sport, they have like stadiums in Denver. So there's no way they can get acclimated to those climates and stuff like that. Um, do you think that's an advantage? And do you think that's something that they take into account before they go there? Like, do they train differently or anything like that? Do you think it's unfair? Um, that's it. I know that's random, but okay. I just thought of it. Yeah, good question. Th those, those were all geographical questions. Let's call that a good geographical set of questions, Terrence. I like that. <laughs> there's, a theme. there's a theme there. There's a theme. Uh, thank you. Uh, Abzalia, Hardcore Casual, JT Feltz, I see you guys should be able to get to you. Please, please hang in there if you can. Uh, Carl's Ulberg has to fight in Australia. I've been so wrong about this guy, like as far as his actual abilities. I think I've just been jealous. He's maybe the most handsome man in MMA, uh, bumping me down to the number two spot, sadly. So there's a little bit of a rivalry there. Um, a rivalry that he doesn't seem to be aware of. I think people saying like, oh, he doesn't know you exist. And I'm like, sure. Sure he doesn't. Trust me. Carlos knows who I am. Um, but also, I think I think also I, I did the thing where I bought into the hype after his contender series uh, fight, and then I was disappointed in the Kennedy and Zuchuku loss, and I'm like, ah, this guy is just like a whatever. He's a he's a he's a he's a good story. He's not a great. He comes from a good camp. He's not a he's not a great fighter himself. And this was knowing very little about his his background, by the way. Like I knew he was a kickboxer and a kickboxing experience, so I thought he was just a hype job. Uh, which I bought into, and then I jumped off of because he lost. We now know Kennedy's Chuku, pretty good, a, a pretty good light heavyweight in his own right. Someone that could climb the ranks, uh, that is climbing the ranks, I should say. And uh, who knows, might end up in the top 10 sooner rather than later. So really not a bad loss in retrospect. Uh, the Fabio Schramm fight, I also remember being just like, oh my God, just end this. I thought it was so horrible. So his first, he, which he won by decision. But it's those first two fights in the UFC, bad impression, and then he has just gone on a tear. He is living up to that hype. He's a, so fun to watch striking, very light in his feet, very athletic, um, great power, great finishing instincts. Uh, whatever, his resume, not the strongest, but I thought the Nico Negamariano uh, win, very legit. I was very high on Nico, so for Ulbrich to, to steal that thunder. I thought Poteria could upset him, but this is the last time I will underestimate Carlos Ulbrich. Um, not to say the last time I'll pick against him, like if he's matched up 
I guess, like a top seven guy I'll pick against him. But no more. I think of the tier that he's in, I think he is the class of this sort of second tier of, uh, of current light heavyweights. So he's very good. He's very good. I, like, I'll, I'll pick him to beat Dustin Jacoby, you know. I'll pick him to beat uh, Khalil Roundtree. I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. But, yes, wherever he fights has to be in Australia. Um, he, he, and you can, again, if it's not a pay-per-view, you've got, you can make him the co-main, and, boy, that crowd is going to go nuts. So if he gets a knockout, that's how you create stars, right? Sometimes you put the person on the right card, uh, and and you just you get to create these stars. I, I assume it will be a pay per view though, but hey, he should still be on the main card. This guy's a main card fighter. Okay, he belongs on a pay per view main card. Make people pay money to see that face and to see that striking. Uh, UFC China. I'm trying to think of. So the tricky thing is, I'm guessing it won't be a pay per view. I think they would love that if they could get a pay per view in China. Huge. Uh, that's the dream. Is it going to happen? I don't know. And if it doesn't happen, are you going to put? Are you still going to try and put Zhang Wei Li and what I, who I think is now the number one contender, Yan Xiaonan, on there? Because that fight should happen and should happen in China, but it can't be on a fight night again. Because again, I don't know if a lot of people remember Zhang Wei Li's first title win was on a fight night. It was against Jessica Andrade. Uh, not the first time that a strawweight title fight was on, uh, quote-unquote, free TV. I'm not sure where how it aired over there. And it happened in the middle of the morning. It happened, and, and just no one saw it. Now, now I get it. If this is a pay-per-view, that's not going to solve that problem. It's probably still going to be at a weird time for us over in North America. I would think they have to cater at least, of course, somewhat to a live Chinese audience. So that's always going to be a problem. But it, putting it on a fight night again, and again, a potentially huge fight with Yan Shanan and Zhang Weili, it, it, it feels wrong. It feels weird. I'm hoping it doesn't go that way. Um, but it is tricky, boy, to put on a pair of view um, at that time. I don't know how they're going to work that out. Um, so so I'm just, what I'm saying is, if it's not a pay-per-view in China, I don't think the Yan, Xiaonan, uh, Zhang Weili fight happens there. I think they would want a pay-per-view, which means you probably get it like T-Mobile Arena or something instead. Sounds so weird. It feels like it has to happen in China. What a great f- moment that would be for um, MMA in that country. It's, but man, to put on a fight night again, I, I just don't know if that's the way to go. Uh, I'd love to see Li Jingliang on there. Um, some of the guys who competed on um, the road to the UFC, perfect spot for them. I'm trying to think who was the guy. Gosh, who was the guy everyone was super high on coming out of that show? I want to look this up. I, not a Chinese. I think he's a Korean. I think he's a Korean fighter. Who was it? Everyone was. Everyone was like, "This guy's like this guy's for real." Was it Li Zhang? No, my memory is so bad. Was it Rinya Nakamura? Maybe I'm thinking of Rinya Nakamura. It was Rinya Nakamura, or I think it was Rinya Nakamura. But yes, uh, sorry, Japanese fighter. But uh, yes, if you're going to, uh, again, listen, uh, have the fighters in China that, that um, appeal to that Asia region, you're going to have, you want to have a lot of Chinese fighters, but you're going to have some Korean fighters in there as well and have some Japanese fighters. I think uh, I'd love to see Nakamura on there. And uh, quickly, Lakers-Denver, I don't want to scare everyone away with the basketball talk. Denver, for the longest time, was a horrible, horrible franchise. And I could never understand why. Because, yes, I thought, don't they have the ultimate home court advantage? Don't you just get like a... This was before uh, Steve Nash and the Phoenix Suns teams. But shouldn't they have invented seven seconds or less? Shouldn't their whole thing have been, yeah, we're just going to run run and shoot three? Like, they should should have been the one to break the game before the Warriors, before, uh, again, before Phoenix... Someone should have taken the Denver Nuggets, and I know they were a high-scoring team in the 80s. It's a different thing. 
someone should have done it and just sped the game up and just gassed out their opponents. Nick Van Exel would have been perfect for this. Nick Van Exel was with the Nuggets for some time. He would have been perfect. He's a perfect run-and-gun guy. So, uh, yes, if the Nuggets want to win the series, they should run, 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 play as fast as possible. They can do that now because they're actually getting decent minutes out of their non-Jokic uh, lineups. He's still the key. He still has to dominate to win this series. But, man, you can run. Listen, LeBron's my age, literally. And he's, he only really plays one half of the court now. He only plays an offense. His defense horrible. Uh, you really want to wear him out? Listen, just attack, 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 attack. So we'll see. I'm fascinated, but absolutely ha- playing at altitude should be an advantage. I don't know why it hasn't been a big one for that franchise forever. Go Nuggets. Shout out to Chuck Mendenhall. Uh, Azwalia, let's bring you in. Thank you for waiting patiently, sir. I know you got, you've been waiting for a while. Azwalia, let's get you in. JD Feltz, hardcore casual, I'll get you in. I think that might be it for today. Let's see if we can get it. Hi, Alex. How are you? Hey, Azwali, how are you? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. So, um, I just have three questions I need to ask. Um, just don't mind me. They might be a little bit long, but um, I'll start with the first one. Take your um, time. Take your time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you remember when UFC was meant to go to South Korea back in February? Is there plans for them to still go back, maybe in the third or fourth quarter later on in the year, if Korean Zombies healthy and all? Because um, I do remember Max Holloway has an interest in fighting him, although it was. Um, in Australia, but uh, if do do you think they could do a fight night cast in South Korea this year? Uh, and my second question is: This is not really MMA related, but it's more to do with um, NBA. Um, you know, we saw Philadelphia just had one of the worst chokes ever in the playoff history in probably the last five years, and um, there's already rumors that James Harden wants to leave and go to Phoenix Suns. Um, does this mean we could probably see the end of Embiid in the Philadelphia Sixers? And um, you know, what team do you reckon he could go to? And my final question is, this is just regarding the recent Francis and Ghana news we just got today. Um, being that he just probably broke boundaries and set a new barrier for the whole uh, fighting industry with giving, you know, fighters being able to take advance and chance of their own, in, um, what do you call, opportunities their own hand. Could we see more fighters in the future really fluctuate um, deals to their benefit? Because we know the UFC has... You know, very big um, network as a company. I think they're twenty-one billion now with a WWE deal, and obviously, I think this would be a good time for fighters to, if they truly want to get paid well, they should take a union stance. Um, could you see fighters really, maybe doing more for Francis and Gandhi, whether in the UFC or in other organizations like Bellator One? That's all I have to ask, man. Uh, I hope you don't mind the long questions. Um, no, thank great. you. Have thank a good day. You. That's great. Great questions. Uh, UFC South Korea, I have no idea. I have not heard anything. I will say this though. I was gonna say, I was gonna say they have a lot of their 2023 schedule set, so I'm like, I wouldn't hold my breath. However, they've gone to South Korea two times, uh, Busan and Seoul, and both times were later of the year cards. So the last time they were there, Edgar versus Korean Zombie, this was December 21st, 2019, and then before that, uh, Benson Henderson and Jorge Masvidal. Wow. That's a throwback. Uh, November 28th, 2015. And that was in November. So if, again, it's a very small sample size. I don't know if that has anything to do with the, uh, you know, if it's just easier to schedule an event there later in the year for weather, logistical purposes, any number of reasons. But historically, uh, they have, it has been in the uh, last two months of the year. So, and the UFC only has mapped out the farthest I'm seeing as we know, UFC 294 in October, uh, Abu Dhabi. So 
November, December, still clear. Really, much of October is still clear. Uh, like we said, that's probably a fight night, not a pay-per-view. So yeah, it could land in October. I don't see anything for September. It could land in September. So I, I will I will change my initial thought. I will say I do think they'll go to uh, South Korea before the year's through. Very dependent on uh, Chan Sung Jung uh, being healthy, the Korean zombie. If he's not, yeah, yeah, again, there's other fighters you can put there. But that's really the appeal, right? The, 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 the final... Um, Korean zombie fights. So, but yeah, I, I think it's a good chance it happens. Philly, listen, I don't want to get started on this. I could laugh at Philly all day. Uh, nothing against the city personally, but listen, anyone that's in the same division as the Toronto Raptors, I'm going to poop on. They beat the Raptors last year. I just, I can't stand Philly, uh, the, the team. I can't stand Joel Embiid. Uh, I take no pleasure in his failure. I assure you, I take no pleasure in it. Uh, but, you know, Good good for Boston. Let me put it that way. Who I also can't stand. I can't believe I said that. And how can you say this is the worst choke job in the last seven years? We just, in the last five, we just saw Phoenix get annihilated by, uh, in the game seven by Luca last year. Sorry, sorry, Shaheen Al-Shadi. Please don't listen to this. Uh, but it was bad. It was bad. And they were up 3-2, right? Didn't they, they blow game six as well? So that's, that's tough. That's tough. Up two games and you got the MVP. You got one of the strongest teams, probably one of the best offenses this team has ever had. They've always had a strong defense in the NBA era. This is the first time since, uh, I want to say, Jimmy, they had Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick and more shooters that the offense was up to snuff with the defense. And then to drop that stink bomb to allow a 51-point game... Boy, that's not good. Um, but uh, zero chance that's the end of Embiid in, in uh, Philly. No, he's, he's the MVP. He's a great player. He's a great, I, I don't like him personally. Um, I hate all the falling. I know he falls because it's supposed to prevent injury, but I think it's so dangerous. I think when you're that big and you're falling around, you're going to hurt people. Like he did to poor Danny Green last year. Friggin' infuriating. Um, but I don't think they trade him. I, 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 think, I think you can build around this guy. I think you can build around this guy and have another run at it. But yeah, very frustrating for his fans. I'm sure for the Philly fans, I'm sure. He's 30 years old. This era has never made it past the second round. The whole uh, trust the process, tanking. Tanking doesn't work, people. Tanking doesn't work. I'll just tell you right now. It's never worked. You get stars. You don't win titles by tanking. This is a fact. I have historical data to prove it. I won't go into it now. Nganu breaking barriers. We touched upon a little bit. Uh, I think other fighters will follow suit. Other stars will see. We, and and, and uh, if they go to other promotions, we'll certainly ask for more than just, hey, please give me a nice contract. Are they going to do anything with the UFC? No. No. And there's not me being cynical. Not, this is just me being realistic because uh, I want to see fighters come together. I want to see, you know, the, the fruits of like Leslie Smith's labor, you know, bear prosperity for the fighters. But it's been a long battle. And I don't think you see anything resembling a union or a collective bargaining team um, come forward anytime soon. They just it's it, and not in my lifetime. I plan to live a long, long, long time. And I still don't think I'm going to see it. So fighters will be making demands with other promotions when they're free agents. Will they suddenly, you know, they're going to wake up a week from now and be like, let's, let's get some stuff from the UFC. They've got, they, 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 they're publicly reporting the billions or upon hundreds of millions of dollars they're making every year. And we are still seeing only incremental increases in pay. They know it, they're aware of it, but some of them just don't want to consider the alternatives and that's fine i'm not in their situation i can't judge you know the value of fighting the ufc versus fighting to put food on your table so uh yes to other promotions no you won't see anyone at demanding anything from the ufc even even conor mcgregor uh hardcore casual oh let me go to jd felt first hardcore casual hang in there hang in there uh, jd's been waiting a long time jd felt let's bring you in i think those are our last two callers 
JD, what can I do for you? Aaliyah, How are you? Aaliyah, good morning to you as well. All right. So uh, I was actually at UFC Charlotte and BKFC in Greenville. And the first thing I'll say, obviously, everyone in this community excluded. Um, but MMA fans, MMA live fans, they, they may be the worst. I don't know if there's a single thing in this world that they will not boo. Um, I mean, there were home, hometown people from Greenville that, that, were, that were getting booed like 30 seconds into the fight. So that's one thing I wanted to, I wanted to mention. But uh, anyway, so I frequently hear the argument that the UFC is not a sport, but sports entertainment, correct? Uh, that is my stance on it. Yes, I rarely, I rarely call MMA a sport. If you hear me say it, yeah, I assure you, it is a, a misspeaking. Okay, so this would, and and watching Matt Brown kind of got this question into my head. Um, for people like Matt Brown, who never held a UFC title, I don't know if Matt Brown ever uh, competed in a UFC title match. I can't remember. I'm not Jose Young's. Um, but for them to have an argument to get into just the UFC Hall of Fame, seeing the UFC as sports entertainment, would there be criteria for fighters who are legends in the eyes of the fans? Just in the eyes of fans, your Jim Millers, maybe your Tony Ferguson's, your Matt Browns, your what have you. Uh, for legends in the eyes of the U MMA fans to have an argument to get into the UFC Hall of Fame outside of ever competing for a championship. Mm -hmm. Anyway, just your thoughts on that, but thanks. Yep, thanks, JD. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit uh, post-fight. Um, Matt Brown, ha potential Hall of Famer for sure. I think like most sports Hall of Fames, uh, you are going to see the barriers become a bit thinner as time goes on. They still have a pretty strong well of champions to draw from. I think Cerrone, I don't think Cerrone is the first one to make, I'm talking about just the, what's the wing called? The modern wing, the modern wing. Everyone until Cerrone, who's getting inducted this July, along with the Jose Aldo, uh, has won a UFC title. I'll read the list real quick. It's uh, Forrest Griffin, BJ Penn, Uriah Faber, Ronda Rousey, Michael Bisping, Rashad Evans, George St. Pierre, Habib, Daniel Cormier, Jose Aldo, again, uh, and now Cowboy. Cowboy is the only one of this group has not won a title. He did compete for it. He fought Rafael Dos Anjos, did not go very well, but he did compete for it. He is a one-time uh, light, UFC lightweight championship challenger. Uh, he also holds records, uh, post-fight bonuses, and uh, what was the other one? Didn't he have finishes, or did Jim Miller already already beat him for that one anyway he's he's up there in the record books one or two uh in a lot of those categories so that helps too he's got records matt brown has records as we know he just tied the uh, most knockouts in ufc history he has the most finishes in welterweight history uh, ufc welterweight history 15 pretty good and most appearances of welterweight 30 he has not competed for a title so he falls short of that criteria which which cerrone has cleared uh he did kind of do a number one contenders belt with robbie lawler one, he missed weight. Two, he lost. Also, there's no real number one contenders, official number one contenders bouts um, in the UFC. So I don't know how much weight you want to put on that. But I, like I said, I do think the barrier is going to become a bit easier to, to, uh, to break 
as we go forward. Again, you see that in any Hall of Fame, the longer it goes, there's there's top, top, top guys. You're like, oh, yeah, no doubters. And then there's like guys who you barely remember who have like great stats. And they're like, oh, OK, like, I don't really remember this guy. But sure, he's a Hall of Famer. He was voted in. Um, so I think there is a place for Matt Brown. Again, the records helps. Uh a lot of memorable moments like does he pass the eye test like do people have a lot of, of things they remember about Matt brown's career sure great finishes great fights that elbow of, of diego sanchez just chilling one of the probably 20 best knockouts in ufc history and uh, most importantly i think the company loves him i think the company loves him so we one thing we mentioned on uh the show is like well they introduce like a violence wing i think that might not be good that maybe they won't use the word violence but something like that like just for super exciting fighters right and then you could maybe shift Cerrone over to there. You throw Justin Gaethje in there, though he won an interim title. Um, well, they can they can make a new wing, fan, fan faves wing. There you go. You want to go corny and you want to be as uh, corporate friendly as possible. The fan faves wing of the uh, UFC Hall of Fame. Let fans vote on it every year. You create a ballot, the fan faves wing. You put five names on there, and then they pick from those five names, and you let the fans decide. So a lot of options for the UFC to get him in there. I do think Matt Brown is a UFC Hall of Famer. Again, not based on the criteria that has been set so far, but based on um, how I think the criteria will change over the next few years. So I hope he gets in there. Like I like Matt Brown. Uh, hardcore, casual, let's bring you in. I see you, Noah. I'll try and get you in. And then hopefully uh, uh, hopefully we can all get out of here and enjoy the rest of our day. But <laughs> Hardcore, casual, please. What do you got? Oh, Noah. Oh, Noah left. Okay, I was going to take one more. But okay, Hardcore Casual, what's up? Hey, you hear me, Lee? I hear you, yeah. Leave a morning to you, pal. Leave a morning to you. Hey, uh, real quick, I was going to do on Free For All Friday. I didn't, I didn't get the time to, to make it in and get my question. But I guess I'll, I'll ask you as well. So me and a couple buddies were sitting around the other night. We were talking about taking a fighter who is currently not in their prime and – uh, you know, s- seeing them in their prime versus a current fighter who is in their prime. I didn't know if you guys had cool suggestions. I know one that my buddy had told me. He said, uh, prime John Jones, the the one that fought, you know, Gustafson. Uh, if he were to take on Yuri Prohaska, I feel like that would be a banger of a fight. And then uh, the one that I had come up with was prime Connor uh, taking on Yadier Rod- Rodriguez. Uh, I think that'd be a really cool fight. I don't know. It, just a free-for-all question that I'm yeah. throwing on a Tuesday. So, so uh, <laughs> uh, Sorry, uh, hardcore. Sorry, sorry, so uh, pri- taking a fighter in their, in their prime and fighting a fighter today who's in their prime. Yes, yes, oh, yes, yes. Okay, cool. Okay. All right, let me, let me take a moment to think about this. Thanks for the question. Yep. Oh, that's good stuff. Uh, I'm usually terrible at these hypotheticals. I'm, I usually come up with an answer that I think is pretty good and then – uh, it just goes out the window. I think um, I want to go. I mean, I, this fight could still happen. I guess he's in his prime. God, I'd love to see like just Demetrius Johnson against the current crop of flyweights. Like it sucks that it doesn't suck. It's good. I'm I'm happy Demetrius Johnson is in one, making money, being happy again. Probably, arguably, still in his prime. But I would love to see how just a you know a few years younger version would fare against Brandon Reno, Davidson Figueredo. Again, it's a division I think is super strong. Um, so I'm definitely into that. I, I'm trying to think what other. I mean, Sehudo, <laughs> Sehudo and Sterling. I wonder if uh, I wonder if us, a younger Sehudo would have handled Sterling a little bit uh, a little bit better. That 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 was because listen, that was a close fight. 
pretty easy to say that Cejudo, you know, in rhythm, three years younger, uh, might have, might be the UFC bantamweight champion right now. So, uh, so that was it. That was that's an interesting one. Connor versus so many people is interesting because I agree. I don't think he's in his prime anymore. He's not even old. He's what? He's like 32, 33. Um, he's got a fair amount of amount of fight mileage on him, but just like he's thirty four. You know you're not getting the best version of him anymore. You're not getting that version that knocked out Aldo, that beat Chad Mendez, that knocked out Eddie Alvarez. Like that was a once in a lifetime thing, and that's he's not. I really don't think he can say it all he wants. He's not that guy anymore. Um, so I would love to have seen that uh, a, a Connor versus like again. Uh, I don't know uh, who's a lightweight right now. Islam. Nah, I don't want to see that. Even even Prime Connor gets smoked there. And the other name I want to look at. Prime BJ. I don't know where Prime BJ Penn fits in today's MMA landscape. I would love to see him at Volk at, at 155. I think that'd be fascinating. Um, I don't want to go any lower than that. I, I think 155. Maybe he fought a welterweight, but it was a very different era. I wouldn't want to see him against like Leon or Kamara or any of these top welterweight guys. I'll, I'll say I'll say BJ and Volk. I would love to see Prime BJ and Volk at 155 or 150 pound catch weight, not featherweight. I just think that'd be so cool. I don't know. Maybe it would resemble the Islam fight. I don't think so. I think it'd have a totally different dynamic to it. But, man, I just want to remind people to don't forget Prime BJ, please. So good. All right, Smack Daniel, I'm going to bring you in here. Let's uh, let's see let's uh, let's see what you got. I keep saying last caller, but listen, people keep chiming in. I got time. All right, Smack Daniel, you are on. You are muted. Uh, Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, I got you, yeah. Okay, uh, my question is about Chimaev. Why Why are we not seeing Chimaev fight him? Why do, we have, why do you think Dana's saying he won't be back at 170? I mean, the man's fought at 170 before. I, I don't know why he don't let him run to get that 170 strap, then take him to 185, let him get that strap, and then maybe we can see him in 205 be the first triple champ. Well, what are your thoughts on, on Chimaev right now? Uh, thanks, McDaniel. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk some Hamza. What? Uh, that's not a bad way to close the show. Yeah, uh, Hamza. I- I'll say I'm. I've been a little harsh on Hamza. I hated how his whole last uh, pay per view was handled. Um, the weight miss, and then sort of not really being super apologetic about it. A lot of finger pointing. A lot of well, I could have made it, but the doctor said I couldn't because my body was locking up. Sounds like the doctor. Sounds to me like the doctor was doing his job. But Hamzat seems convinced, like, I can still make 170. It's it's, it, And then they had to reshuffle the card for him. Great performance against Kevin Holland. But, I mean, such a weird thing to celebrate given that fight wasn't even supposed to happen. I'm so high in this guy. I have him top 20 in my pound-for-pound pound rankings. I think he could be a world champion at 170 if he make the weight. I'll pick him pretty much over anyone from 170 to 205. I think he's that good. But again, the lack of contrition over the missing the weight and having them reshuffle the card was really frustrating to see. I do see a lot of finger pointing. I'm sure it's on the UFC's end as well. Uh, Hamza just recently tweeted, "How come I don't get fights? I'm I'm willing to fight a two weight either weight class. Just give me opponents." He tagged a bunch of you know big names saying, "I, I want to fight Kamaru or Colby or Bilal, any of these guys, or Israel Adesanya." He's like, "Just give me any of them." And it, it's cool he's saying it, and I believe it. I believe he wants to, but I also think that there's some. As much as, you know, we just talked about not always siding with the UFC, I, I feel like he needs to play ball somewhat. I, I, I think he needs to pick a division. I, I think he needs to take a fight at 185, first of all, um, just so he can make a weight. If he can make 170, great. 
I wouldn't even risk it with his next fight. I'd like to see him at middleweight. And I want, I hope, and maybe he already is, that he's telling the UFC, give me a middleweight opponent. Give me a top 10 middleweight, top five middleweight. Let me just get back in there. Because what was so thrilling about this guy at first was the three fights in three months, three incredible wins. Um, and we were so hyped. And now he's become one of the most inactive fighters, just like an, a true enigma. Every show, I feel like we're asking, where is Hamzat? Where is Hamzat? So his side of the story is the UFC isn't offering him fights. And he, he, might, he might be telling the truth. I don't know. And if that's the case, then, hey, UFC, get it together. Offer this guy some fights. But I do feel like he's put them in a bit of a strange position, being a man without a weight class, being a man who kind of screwed up that last pay-per-view. Um, I think they did want him to send uh, Nick D- uh, Nate Diaz out in a loss. Didn't work out that way. So I'm optimistic he fights before the end of the year. Again, listen, the year is still young. We're just in May. Plenty of time for him to get in there. But I haven't heard anything. I hear people calling him out. I hear him calling people out. But for whatever reason, fights just aren't getting – Not even. I was going to say not putting uh, – put to paper they're not even like i'm not we're not even hearing rumblings of targeting verbal agreements so something's going on with him in the ufc i do think the relationship was soured because of 279 what happened and i think both parties have to have some amends to make they need to give him fights he needs to tell them what fights are even possible um so apologies to all the comes that stands out there i i, I again I, he might be telling the truth that they're just not giving him fights but I do feel it's a little more complicated than that. Um, but whatever. Hope we see the guy soon. Amazing fighter. And I still think will be UFC champion at welterweight, middleweight, or possibly light heavyweight. And or as uh, as was asked, as as was suggested by us, Mac Daniels, maybe all three. Because that'd be pretty sick. All right, guys. I will tune out now. You've you've listened to me enough. Fingers crossed, Mike Heck will be back. Uh, he does not have to do jury duty. Not there's anything wrong with, you know, uh, serving the community, but at the same time, I think we'd all like to see him serve the MMA community first and foremost with his brilliant work on a heck of a morning. But yes, Francis Ngannou is with the PFL, guys. It is a new day. Enjoy it. Enjoy your lives. And uh, I'm sure I'll sub in for Mike sometime again soon. But thank you for everyone who called in and thank you for everyone who listened. Uh, a Lee of a morning to you. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.